Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. And tonight we're going to talk about liberalism in America. It's really changed a lot. Uh, it goes in cycles, as conservatives uh, know, because the right goes in cycles, too. Um, but we have, I think, a very interesting presentation because we have a guy who is in the middle of it, who started modern liberalism in the media, a guy named Jan Wenner. You might know the name, uh, Rolling Stone magazine. He's got a new book out, and it's a good book. I read it. We'll get to him in a moment, but liberalism really took off in America in the mid-1960s concurrently with the Vietnam War. Before then, it was a uh, concept, Adelaide Stevenson, and, but uh, America is a traditional society. As I wrote in my book, Killing the Legends, Elvis Presley was the first one to blow up the conformity uh, and ushered in a rock rebellion. But, you know, we still had the twist and the hula hoop. And, uh, you know, we were kind of an innocent, marginal society back in the early 60s, despite Elvis. But in the mid-60s, uh, with the arrival of the Beatles and John Lennon, again, that, that's featured in Killing the Legends, uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll came in associated with liberal thought. They were intertwined. Now, politically, liberalism today is dominating the United States of America because Joe Biden is a progressive. He governs from the far left. He told everybody he wasn't going to do that, but he is. And that has gotten him into some trouble. Uh, and that analysis is confirmed by the economy, primarily. However, getting where we are is a fascinating voyage, and that's what we want to explore tonight. So a little bit about Jan Wenner. He was born in New York, uh, educated in California, Berkeley, University of California at Berkeley. He borrowed $7,500 from his family to start Rolling Stone magazine. 
And uh, the first edition uh, came out in 1967. But it was in 68 that Rolling Stone exploded with a cover of John Lennon and Yoko Ono naked across the world. Um, that was the signature um, driver of Rolling Stone. And it became quickly the Bible in the music industry. Uh, and it was parallel with politics. You may remember Hunter Thompson uh, writing about Richard Nixon, some classic stuff. And Rolling Stone, at its height, had a circulation of one and a half million. It's now down about 400,000, but every single print publication in the age of the Internet is in decline. Uh, Rolling Stone has a robust Internet presence. So anyway, I asked uh, Mr. Winter to come on. He is the author, as I mentioned, of Like a Rolling Stone. It was released in September. It is a bestseller. And I did read the book. And for me to read a book that runs about 500 pages is, you know, it held my interest. So, you know, and Mr. Winter joins us now from New York City. Is that where you are in New York? I am. I'm glad to okay. hear it. I held your interest that long. Now, did I miss anything that you want to get in there in the, uh, in the lead? No, I think that's all good. But yet, importantly, is that the book is readable and enjoyable and like that. You yeah, you're, you're not you're not hitting anybody over the head with ideology in the book. It's more reminiscence of the uh, people you knew and you knew everybody in the rock industry. I, make, you, I have a I have the I make a strong case for the political mission of Rolling Stone and of the Times and of the Generation. And going back to what you started with, I think there's two things. I think liberalism, by the way, began with Roosevelt and the response to the Depression and all that. And I, I think that was the beginning of liberalism. And what we see today in Biden is a, is a renewal of that, you know, level of kind of government interference, government taking over things and running things for the benefit of a broad group of people. But for the purposes of what you're talking about the 60s, I think you're right. Some new thing happened there. And I think that and it became very, very liberal. And I think it was the confluence of the baby boom, which became the single largest population cohort in American history, the wealthiest because of the largest of all the profitability after the war, and the best educated because America invested in this huge education system for this cohort. But by the time the baby boom started to become of age and go to college, I mean, in its adulthood, it started discovering things that weren't what they expected. For instance, we were told it was a society, the purpose of America was life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, sooner or later, quickly, very quickly discovered that there was racism, it was rampant, you know, throughout the South. It wasn't at all, there was no equality of, of that type of problem. Then yeah, we I got mean, the war in Vietnam, which yeah, is a war. That was, the, that was the key, but I want to step stare it. Um, the the difference now in liberalism than the mid-60s when you guys were at Rolling Stone were kind of like setting the agenda. Mm -hmm. What is it? What's the difference between then and now in the liberal precincts? Well, I don't think it's altogether that different. I think that the issues are the same. There's this question of youth versus old elders, which is always something that goes on always a dynamic that goes on a generational dynamic i think that uh it is contrast to the war in vietnam 
today's young people are very concerned about the environment and the potential for you know social you know civilized civilizations to collapse i mean for and all the ugliness would go into that you know as resources become more limited um hey guys it's vivek ramaswamy here inviting you to listen to my podcast truth we just relaunched it after the campaign and we are already riding up the podcast charts here's why I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundations in the Line of Duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America, over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. I, I think there's still this this idealism. I think the difference is maybe there's a little more realism about this today. I mean, well, what about socialism, a- though? The progressive left is heavy into socialism. They want the government mm-hmm. to control the economy. They want redistribution of uh, income. They mm-hmm. want woke tendencies. If you deviate from woke, you can't go to Yale. You can't give a speech. That's totalitarianism. That wasn't in place so much. Yes, the SDS... And all of that, they were kooky in the, in the 60s and trying to bring in this very heavy dose of totalitarianism. But that was just a very, very small Do you think it's worse segment. today? Do you think what it's worse that? today? Do you think it's oh, worse, it's way worse today? Way worse think, today. Well, all you got to do, all you got to do is go to any college campus and see the fear uh, of saying something that's against the liberal orthodoxy. You, I went well, to college in the Vietnam era I, and there were robust debates that well, I robots. think that the thing with the thing with wokeism and what you're talking about, I think like everything, something can go too far. There's a a kernel of it, there's a core of it that's justifiable and right, which has to respect for other people and has to without slurring people, without categorizing other stuff. But it goes too far to a kind of a ridiculous extent, and then that gets mocked, and it and it'll go back to what it's meant to be. But you mentioned about socialism taking over the government. So I think that people are interested in seeing a, a more equitable distribution of wealth. That is wrong for some people to control or have a billion dollars or two billion dollars. I mean, what can you do with that kind of money? You know, versus but that's what, not capitalism. This kind of but that's not capitalism. And no, no, no. Not, but people are not paid, our no. country was founded. No, no, it's not. 
There's such a thing, and it came in with Roosevelt as reg and Teddy Roosevelt, regulated, well-regulated capitalism. Some capitalism plays to some pretty ba base instincts among people, including just sheer greed. You know, and what we're asking for is not that the the incentive of capitalism, the freedom to do what you want, any area, make lots of money, all stuff. Nobody's trying to take that away. It's a great system. It works, but it also leads to excesses, like everything. Excesses of wealth or the well, railroad. You're, you're then well, giving the power of, of who defines excess to right. a central government that has been right. woefully inadequate in problem no, no, solving. No, no, no. Let me give you one example. Okay, please. Rolling Stone over the years has mm -hmm. been very, very adamant that poor Americans should get a leg up. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. The data on poverty is that it stems from two things in the African-American community now, today, not by the Civil War. The dissolution of the family, number one, and drug addiction and substance abuse, number two. So you're going to be poor if you're a drug or addict or alcoholic, and it's likely you're going to be poor if you don't have a responsible father and mother in the home raising you. The left does not want to deal with that at all. It wants no, to basically no. centralize the power to give, and that's the word, to give things to people who don't have them. In no. capitalism, wait, in capitalism, sometimes it's the fault of the people who are poor. It's their own fault. Go ahead. Well, respectfully, I, I don't know what statistics you're looking at, and th there's a lot of dispute about the, those those kinds of things about the need for families and like that. I would say seventy-one percent of African American families me, are single. Single. Seventy-one percent. Let me let me say overall, even if people are drug abusers or they come from broken homes, does this make them not eligible for the charity? And the goodness of our society, absolutely the most, not. They're the most downtrodden among and us. And they, sh they, they should be helped. So get so help them, help them, even if they, and especially people who can't help themselves. Does it mean that poor people are always the brunt of these Republican conservative policies, whatever one they are, whether it's about cost of medic medical care, whether it's access to medical care, whether it's the cost of insulin, all these things, whether it's denial of all kinds of rights. The, I find the policies of the Republican Party, the conservative ended so unsure. I'm not a, Repo I'm not so a Republican. Okay, I'm, but let I'm me, a problem I'm not a, excuse me. You're a problem. But look, look. But I'm talking about the Republican Party. Let me just finish. About the, they're so unchristian in their basic approach to mankind. Some of them. The difference is. Not everybody. But the ones who are creating policy in Congress, the ones I'm talking about, and the ones out there in those churches. But in contrast to that, what I find, whatever you want to say about socialism or other kind of words, in the democratic policy, I find them to be charitable, forgiving, generous, and humane. And that's what I like. I, if you skip it whether capitalism if it's is regulated not, or not. Okay, but let's take San Francisco, a town you know very well. That's where yeah. Rolling Stone magazine started. Mm -hmm. That yeah. town has been destroyed by progressive policies because there are so many drug addicted people now on the streets doing whatever they want to do. That means I, selling I just out there, all, all of that. I they just, can do whatever they want. I was just out there last week. Right. And 
You're right. There is a extraordinary number. There's an extraordinary number of homeless people walking around. It's like unpleasant. It's gone to that kind of level. But there's a reason why. It's the the compassion reason. They give drug addicts money. So if you're a drug addict, you're going there because they're giving you money with no strings attached. Here, here's money. So camp out (laughs) in the street, take your drugs and do whatever you want. We're not going to bother you. That's I don't, I don't, anarchy. I don't think it's quite that. I don't think that's quite simple. I don't think I, I didn't see any example of anarchy on the streets. What I saw is it's unpleasant to walk around some neighborhoods. Is it dangerous? No. The idea of giving people who are drug addicted or, or, or in need of or hungry shelter and some level of compassion, some level of comfort. I think that's a noble. And what is the response? And I don't, it hasn't, it hasn't okay. created any anarchy in San Francisco. As is far it? as I can see. They're leaving San Francisco like crazy. People are leaving the city like it's the most beautiful city in the country and they can't get out fast enough. But what is compassionate about allowing a person to destroy him or herself and infringing on the rights of all the people who live in San Francisco? What is compassionate about that? I don't feel that drug addiction is infringing on my rights. They're living on your stoop, Jan. They're that's defecating not a, in the street. Yeah, I don't that, like it. You should do something about it. But that doesn't just should because do something about drunky, it. What should they do? But that's not a that's not a systematic problem around New York. Yes, or it is. Anywhere. Most of our stoops are quite clean. Nobody's defecated on my stoop, but I live here ever. Right. New York you know, is ever. is now a dangerous place in the subway, particularly. Not, okay, I, because Bill, criminals here, are running wild. No, no, they're not running. You Anarchy remember the Giuliani years? You were here. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com slash bill. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you remember the difference in quality of life and public safety between the Giuliani years and now. You know The Bloomberg years were among the great years in terms of safety. New York remains to be one that is, is the, I believe, the safest big 
of the big 20 cities in the country. This thing about anarchy in the streets is like mad is like this Trump, Steve Bannon kind of formulation. It's just nuts. It's not true. Nobody, where was the last time you saw anarchy in the streets? I've never seen it. And anarchy in the streets may be caused by the white supremacist protesting in Charlottesville or whatever, but that's the extent the of it. Anarchy is on the Capitol. We right. saw anarchy on January 6th. I haven't seen any other anarchy. And I live here. If you, just in San Francisco. The perception of danger and the actual danger in New York City by every crime measure is way, way up. And it's a lot different now than it was under Giuliani Bloomberg. And you know it. So the more progressive the city leadership has gotten, the quality of life goes down. I got another thing I want to. One of the fascinating things about your book is that you know all these people. You know them. They curried favor with you because you were the poobah. You know, cover the Rolling Stone, Dr. Hook song. Got to get on Rolling Stone. They like my record. It's in. So you Bill, know you've been reading Rolling Stone for all admit it right here. You grew up reading Rolling Stone. I, I always read Rolling Stone because Hunter Thompson was a genius and I loved reading what he said. But you the mistake that Rolling Stone made and still makes is that you glorified drug use. And I have a list of all the people that you know that died from drugs. And I'm just wondering, in hindsight. Was it a mistake to glorify the drugs the way Rolling Stone did? Well, I, first of all, drugs is a big general term. And there's a lot of difference between drugs like pot, which we believe and always said is essentially harmless. And enjoy it and take your time. The war on pot is useless. It's putting innocent people in jail, particularly black people. Do not. And, and the difference between that and drug and like cocaine or heroin. We didn't advocate for the use of heroin and cocaine. And that's what caused these overdoses of these selected people. On no, your but you, you were big cocaine guys. Come on. You admit yeah, it in your book. I admit it in the book. Yes. And I say in the book also, I regret it. And I don't recommend it to anybody. And why do you regret it? a lot of lives. But people who overdosed and died of drugs were primarily dying because of heroin, not because of cocaine. All right. Well, whatever it may be, why do we you advocate? Why do you regret the cocaine? It's it's like speed. It ultimately ends up being speed, and speed is just a bad drug for people. You know, they, you, you you. Why? Because of what it does to the mental process. You don't think enough. You know, you're babbling all the time. It's just it's corrupt. It's corrosive drug. Pot and LSD are like enhancing. I don't, I don't care life about experience. pot. But would have been, wouldn't it have been better for Rolling Stone to take a hard line against the harder drugs, methamphetamine, heroin, oh. cocaine? Wouldn't it we have did. been better? Because you guys opened that gate. You made no, it no. okay. Sex, we drugs, and rock and okay for, No, no. I didn't make it okay for methamphetamine or heroin, okay? Uh, rock and roll did tend to promote the use of cocaine, you know? And, now and heroin. Tough, John Lennon no, was a heroin addict. He was but your that buddy. Do, he that doesn't mean that he was out promoting heroin, the culture, no, or that I'm responsible for it. But it know, broke up. There's the a Beatles. lot of people who've been heroin addicts. But I mean, I, I just don't. Drug use and rock and roll came hand in hand. Right. That's true. Like jazz came, you know, came and promoted pot and hand in hand and all the other kind of drugs. And it's just part of that fringe of society. Was it actively promoted? I don't. Thing in, in certain oh, in certain cases, yeah, it made it, it was in certain cases it made it look 
more glamorous. Glamorous. That's right. But Hunter Thompson the war was a on genius. Drugs. He was a genius. The war on drugs. The war Hunter Thompson. Wait, wait. Hunter Thompson yeah. was a genius. Okay. Yeah. If you read and his stuff, right? Totally. And he blew his brains out. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to submit to you that part of it was because of the inebriation factor. And what I'm when I when I was reading your book. You almost look fondly back on those days in the late 60s and 70s when everybody was running around doing this stuff at the parties, Studio 54. Now, I'm, I'm a different cat, as Dennis Miller would say. I've never taken a drug in my life. I have no interest in intoxication on any Bill, level. It's not too late for you to throw your life away. I urge you to. <laughs> I would never do that because I'd be in a penitentiary and there would be bail for me. All right. If they make an exception for me and, and get, they wouldn't. Yeah. OK, now, look, um, I think that liberalism has changed dramatically in this country mm -hmm. and that the fringe progressive far left has controlling it now. What do you say? I say that the stakes right now in our society are higher than they've ever been. We, we, we have more wealth in this country and and we don't even know what to do with it. So it keeps showing up in people's 400-foot yachts and stuff like that. And I think that people are looking at this country and say, what, what we have to establish now for the future a fairness about society and about the way we treat other people. And what are our aims of society? We can't go on with endless growth. You know, I mean, that's just not going to be sustainable in this country or anywhere in the world. We're going to eat it all up. So we, we've kind of got to get to a slightly different mindset. And I think that Government regulation is very important. Government does, in given fair elections, represent the will of the people. Yes, it can be inefficient sometimes. Yes, it can get to be a bureaucratic mess. And yes, it can be slow and inefficient and all that stuff. But on the other hand, put to the purpose of society, we operate the post office, the army, the defense department, all kinds of agencies very well and provide for the people of this country. And I think it's just about sharing your wealth a little more. It's more, it's more than any other thing, if you want to put it. Share the wealth a little more. Take Take five or ten percent from the top and shift it to those people in the bottom who really are. Those helpless. people at the bottom, a lot of them are irresponsible people who, no it's matter true. what you give them, are not going to prosper. My theory as an independent is create opportunity. That's the key to the American dream. And that's why millions of people want to come here from all over the world. They don't want to go to France or Sweden. They want to come here. Because the opportunity is here. Now, you're correct in the sense that society is way too self-centered right now. Americans are way too self-centered. And social media is part of that. Okay, We don't think about the things that we should be doing for other people who truly deserve the help. All right. So if you're a heroin addict and you want to kick it, I'll pay for it. I want you to, to get rid of it. But if you want to lay about in New York or San Francisco and get high all day long, I want you out of here. I want you in a um, rehab, forced rehab facility, humane, but mm -hmm. I want you out. Progressives well, I don't, don't want to buy into the personal responsibility thing. I, they I did, don't I just want to do it. No, I think that progressives advocate things like, you know, clinics with free heroin needle exchange and all the things that you can bring an addict into the health system for treatment. These things are generally uh, 
disapproved of by the conservative constituency and told, no, we can't have treatment centers like that. And no, you can't give away heroin free and a prescription stuff like that. These are the things that are necessary. It's not just you can't make a decision quickly, inherited, but I think a well-regulated government system and self-help are not irreconcilable. They work together. You know, people do need that hand up. It's hard to lift yourself up by the bootstraps if you're trying to come out of the ghetto, out of real poverty. And those kids that get do get that chance, we've got to extend that hand. I think you can do both. All right. You know, and and I'd like to see it done efficiently. Last question for you. Yeah. If you were still, and you, your hand is still in Rolling Stone, I think your son runs it now. Is that correct? Okay. Would you endorse Joe Biden again? Without a question. You think he's doing a good job? I think he's doing a terrific job. Look at what he's had to deal with. The why flu, then is his approval rating? Why then is approval rating so low among the American people? Well, you know, I, I, that I can't answer really quickly in that. But you think Hunter the, Thompson would like Joe Biden? Oh yeah, yeah. I think Are so. you really? I don't think Joe so. Is, Joe, unfortunately, is not a charismatic, dynamic guy, and I think that's about half of the reason it's underneath because he, he just looks older you know he looks slower but if you objectively look at the job he's doing with ukraine and putin and finally at last cracking down on china and a bunch of other stuff i think he's doing a fantastic job i, I honest to god do all right Will i give him the high charisma learning no hey john this was a really good interview and very fun to talk to you and you know? I don't, as you mentioned i i've followed rolling stone pretty much since you guys put it out um, and uh, the, all the stories in your book, I, I said, wow, this guy has read, he's led quite a life. So the book, again, is like a Rolling Stone. He sold it, stole it from Bob Dylan, who he knows. He knows everybody. And uh, this is the first time we've ever chatted, by the way. Um, so I hope you found it worthwhile. That was instructive to me. I'm not a conservative individual. I'm traditional, um, which is a difference. Because conservative ideology, there are some very good things about it. Respecting the past, learning from success. You know, why did we become the superpower of the world, the most successful nation that's ever existed? Why? We did it on capitalism, hard work, and self-reliance. The progressive movement doesn't believe in that. And Mr. Wynn is a smart guy, very successful guy. Negotiated himself through the uh, U.S. capitalistic system to uh, become one of the most famous um, media people. And um, as I said, it was the first time I've ever talked to him. Now, one of the things that I understand, because I've been doing this for so long, is that you, very rarely are you going to change anybody's mind. So, you know, even though I point out a San Francisco or a danger level rising in New York City, Mr. Winter is not going to see it that way. I see it that way. I believe I back it up with stats and pictures and everything in the world. He's not. Because people believe what they want to believe. That is a key to all political dialogue, to all different philosophies. People believe what they want to believe. So I want to believe that there's a God, that there's justice in the universe, that someday the good will be rewarded and the evil will be punished. I want to believe that, and so I do. Now, I wrote Killing Jesus, so I am a fact-based faith guy about a man who became the most famous individual in history. How did he do it? 
I'm not just some blind guy that comes in. But people believe what they want to believe. And they're comfortable in certain places. So the left is comfortable where they are. I got a lot of liberal friends. Um, and they, like Mr. Winter, I think Joe Biden's doing a hell of a job. Okay? Now, I know he's not. I don't believe he's not. I know he's not. Based upon the amount of people who are suffering because the economy has turned south. And that progressive economic policies do not work. They don't. Now, how many times does that lesson have to be learned before people start to say, yeah, maybe you're right, O'Reilly. Progressive policies economically don't work. I think we're going to see it November 8th. I, I'm just getting the feeling it's going to be a tidal wave of anti-progressive um, action. And people are going to vote against the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party and the progressives are now one. They have linked up. And the only thing really keeping the Democratic Party afloat is the media, which overwhelmingly uh, left. And that's not going to change, no matter how unsuccessful the progressive movement is and Mr. Biden is. The media is not because they want to believe in a certain thing. But I got to give Jan Winter credit. I mean, there are very few liberals who will stand up to me. They won't. They run. Um, Barack Obama was an exception. Um, did three interviews with him. Um, Bill Clinton, exception. Did a number of interviews with him. But most of them, they don't want a part of me. Pelosi would never talk to me. Joe Biden never talked. When I asked Biden face to face to come on the factor, he laughed. He goes, I got to do that. But when I really, he took the fire. I mean, it was a good back and forth. You saw where he's coming from. You saw where I'm coming from. That is my job. 